Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. I've been praying and asking the Lord, how do we get these people to talk to us? And so finally, uh, Michael is here. Like I said, he's the head of multinational businesses at Samara Group. He will explain to us. Because your title, you know, you want to see what does it mean? Head of multinational businesses. But, Karibu Sana, my brother. I understand you have your family and you have to introduce your wife. Yes. And kids are here as well. I think you're from Sunday school. Yes. Karibu. MC Makasi, good afternoon. Afternoon. Yes. It's a pleasure to have you. Allow me to introduce my wife first. And for a month she'll be home. 
at that particular point in time, she used to work for KFA, and uh, the thing was she was being told you're being affected by the chemicals you're actually exposed to, the pesticides and the like. Around 95, my father lost his job. I can't remember where he used to work at that particular point in time, but things were thick. But for me to be able to complete class six in St. Hannah's, um, it actually took more than income, than normal income. In fact, I got to meet a woman later on in life that my parents were actually running a portion of in Kibwezi. And that is actually what sustained part of my private school. Before now, they had to make the hard decisions and they had to move to uh, a school in Makindu, a normal school, in fact, a public school. I did that for one time and they were, they were not comfortable about certain things. And maybe it's because I also uh, ran away from school at some point. People who have school fees balances should go home, and I decided that I had a balance. And I found myself in Nairobi chasing after my father along parliament. That was the biggest shock. And I've never seen it shocked. So, class seven, I went to Milimani Primary School, which is in Nairobi. Um, at their high school, I went to Kitui. My parents were not comfortable with the school I had actually been called to in Nairobi. From a money perspective, there are certain things which, when I think back, uh, were either inculcated or either subconscious. So one of the things that comes to mind is the fact that I think I was a fraud boy, I think as I was mentioned, in class 8, I think when we were going to claim the money, my friends and I entered at that particular point in time, one of the biggest hyper malls or hyper supermarkets, Uchumi Gongo, and we were walking around. I think for those of us who are young, as I am, we remember Chupa Chups. Yes. So, and it was a rainy day, we went there in November, we were walking around. This is a nice story, this is a nice story, pay attention to that. <laughs> and uh, we decided how, we've never shoplifted, we didn't do this thing for the first time. And uh, I remember I had this raincoat, an umbrella, and we figured out you can hide in the umbrella. And as we were coming out, in fact, we bought something. And we said, we'll actually come to flat with what we're doing, but buying something for the team, pay. And actually, as we were going past the team, we were actually beeping, it's like we've not even been caught, only to be stopped at the exit. And you're asked, what do you have? And you look at the guy, anyway, we confessed, we were taken somewhere inside, we were threatened, and we were told you have to pay 10 times whatever you've actually stolen. So we basically left everything there, all the money we had there. Didn't even go in the suits, I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> so we had to walk from Hyper, uh, Road Hyper. My friend, my friends are living in one in Langata, one in Madaraka. So I told them, let's go home. I'll, I have some money at home, but I can get you guys first time to go home. So that is my first collection of season. So we went home, gave them basket, I mean, we laughed about it, and uh, we went home. Enter high school. Uh, my father was a very prudent man, and he did not believe in people having more than they should have in high school. My mother, on the other hand, I think being a mother, would actually give me extra money. So I found myself uh, in a situation where I would, I think, I'm a miser naturally, I'm a hoarder, so I would not spend money. I think, when I, when I think back, I have actually lost money every single year in high school. And we're talking about a thousand plus, where the box has been broken into or something, because I used to keep all this money inside. 
finish high school, walking back, uh, coming back to Nairobi now. So we had to pass the school of four kilometers away from the town. No public transport, we walk. And the first thing I actually bought when I finished high school was actually my SIM card. Over 2,000 shillings. And for me, it was actually a significant step in life that I've actually been able to finish this milestone of high school. Come home, and my parents are actually surprised. How were you able to buy a SIM card? How did you have all that money? Because my mother thinks she lived whatever she was giving me was for consumption. My father, on the other hand, I think did not have sight of how much my mother was giving me extra. Anyway, we, I was fortunate enough after high school, the following year I joined Kama. In fact, wow. The following year in general, I joined Slapon, so I paid my CPS. Come May, I joined campus, and that is why I met DC. If you were in campus, now each other things campus. And uh, I think the, the life of a hoarder just continues. So we used to go for lunch, for example, and I would actually take the cheapest thing on the menu. Uh, and I'd actually go to my Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the kind of person that was in the shop yesterday afternoon. I wanted to buy a gift for my family, and I had to walk around thinking, this is a hundred shillings. How many grams is this item? How many grams is this item that is 101 shillings? I'm that kind of a person, by the way. So cooking oil, I will not go for what uh, I will go for what was in the supermarket. Um, so basically, that has been my journey, but the journey of putting something aside. It has been subconscious, I think, to some extent. But also, when I think back, the certain things that my parents did, which have also spoke to me indirectly. In so for example, my parents lost jobs. My mother had to quit because of health reasons. My father lost a job, I think, in 1995, and we actually had to be sustained by relatives, including rent. My father got a job in 1996, which I think he retained until 2006. He used to work at Marshalls. Uh, in 1997, I got my mother started working. She started doing business now. And in 1996, actually, I think that was the first meal I can remember where Katie was actually using its shares. And there was this whole conversation in the house, and my mother, my father encouraged my mother to actually buy shares in KQ, like most Kenyans were actually doing. So I didn't know what she was all about. But that conversation happened at the home. The conversation of the portion also happened, and I got rid of this, I think, in my early in my high school, because the person who was interested to actually uh, run the portion in Kibwezi was actually, according to my parents, still. And now, at some point, after they gradually got to realize how much money was actually being made from the portion. At that particular point in time, in the 90s, they were making in excess of 10,000 shillings per month, just for having this portion. And it kind of makes sense to me why I was actually also in a private school, because there has to, there had to be a source, because the life we were living, in fact, I normally tell my wife that I did not have demands. You can't ask for a bicycle, you can't ask for any fancy thing because we can't afford that life here. I mean, it's one of those things you've uh, gotten in touch with and you've accepted that this is life. I also remember driving with my parents around. Uh, they were, to some extent, transparent, especially on money. Driving around, uh, sorry, along the road, and I remember my parents and my father actually saying that the person who owns building gets a lot of money. And that particular point in time, it did hit. How they get so much money? And I feel this is such an old, uh, older generation conversation. Um, 
I think she was asking a couple of years that actually did one trying to build a property portfolio. On the flip on the other side of actually the outer ring is actually a message, I've been used it. And next to it there are some apartments. So back then they used to see their own by Kirishon Kirima, the late Kirishon Kirima. I'm not sure if they still the family still owns. And they would actually talk about such uh, quite a bit, but I did not connect. In fact, when I think back, my parents actually wanted to work with us because they'd say we're going to no longer to see this now. In fact, they didn't tell us where they're going. We're going somewhere, dress up and to go. We walk in there and they're like, yeah, this is our property. In my mind, I'm like, okay, we could have been doing something different. But they were actually speaking to, 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 to us. Um, come 2003, we moved out and we came to South Bay. And uh, there was a debate to live in this of living in this estate, and my mom was more for South Bay. It's actually mainly because she'd actually been allocated some land where we currently have Diamond Park estate, opposite to Mass Chapel, and they have actually put up some uh, low and low cost houses, Mabati houses, which they were renting. Um, and yeah, when you think about it, back then it didn't look like so much money they were getting. Like you'd get a thousand shillings or two thousand shillings, no, one thousand shillings, three hundred at most per room. And they also had another unit here in Lolongo. So my father, okay, my parents, let me say my parents are very intentional about showing all these things, but they did not break it down to my level. For me to be able to understand that this is why we're doing one, two, three. Yeah, so that's basically my history in terms of my upbringing and how my parents involved me as far as finances is concerned. I think one thing I have to remember vividly is when I started working, my father actually told me the best thing you can ever do for yourself is actually join a circle. Because in a circle you will save and at some point you will be able to take out a loan and be able to develop yourself. And uh, he gave examples about how he'd actually been able to do this. The other thing he also told me is the fact that every single year you should actually take stock of what you have done in your life, politically, your life holistically, and you should ensure that no single year, so you should not remain at the same level year in, year out. You should basically advance in life. That was basically from a high level perspective. The other thing I also remember is visiting a cousin of mine. Um, and uh, the grandmother came to my cousin. I went to see her. And we were having this conversation. And she was like, Now that you're working, please ensure you have a farm on the side. In Kamba, she basically said, Well, in the country. <laughs> Okay, basically look for a farm on the side. I didn't understand what she meant, but basically, your job should not be your only source of revenue. You need to have multiple streams. So these are the conversations I actually remember in terms of finances, from bank upbringing, not just the family, but also by people around. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Me, all I've had there is at least for this gentleman. Now I'm going to go now. At least I'll leave a customer. Amen? <laughs> be encouraged, be encouraged, be I think you managed it very well, very, very well. You are one of the few people that I know that are very open about it and you 
you, you have done it well. So, my next thing is, what are your thoughts on debt? Because I know you, you've seen it, I don't know whether you saw it in your family, but how you manage it now, I think is quite impressive. Um, please share with us your thoughts on debt, what you think, how you look at it, and how can we manage it today, even okay. the difficulties we have in Debt set is a uh, it's good, but it also has its downsides. As you say, you think I don't know what about this before today. But yes, I've actually said that in the family. Uh, because like any other business, part of how, how you actually finance a business is either through investing your own money or you borrow. And this borrowing can either be through banks or through um, friends who actually give you money. Now looking back actually in terms of debt at the family level, I don't remember about this before today, my parents struggled. And they actually struggled especially with uh, unsecured debt, borrowing from friends. And one of the things about borrowing, especially when you do business, is the fact that people expect you to actually pay them handsomely for, because you're actually making money. Um, I actually remember incidences at home whereby my mother was not comfortable even dressing well because people would say, I have money and I owe people money. So you can't even live a normal life because of people you actually owe. I remember in 2010 or 2011, some guys actually coming and taking the car. And those were actually auctioneers. And that was basically to pay off that debt. And I've actually experienced that at the family level. Personally, I've actually been in debt since the second year of working, 2007, I think so. We started a business of friends and we started investing and uh, we had uh, someone who wanted to make the investments very fast. I was in a circle and I was actually able to go, I think, at that particular point, 100,000 invest and basically pay back my class. Now, I got comfortable in debt because I could actually be able to earn in a circle and look at my future income stream and I can actually be able to afford this debt. The only thing I, which is not, okay, in hindsight, um, I could have done better. And subsequently, I've actually been able to borrow from the circle, prepay or return them, deduct all this money from my contributions, and I started over again. But I did not become purposefully repetitive six years into my working life when I got a house and mortgage. And uh, I was comfortable because most of my payments were not steep. In fact, just to go back, in 2007, my father passes on in December. January 2008, the houses are still in here, but no longer they buy, they are in houses. And uh, for a while, I asked myself, what can I do to help her household? And come January 2009, I take a debt to actually help to construct a more permanent structure and for the family to actually have a consistent income. Now, when I was going to take this debt, I went to my boss first. I think I figured that uh, maybe he can actually help me to get this debt or give me this debt. So what he did is he directed me to the bank and told me, go get this debt from the bank. That's what I'm doing with this. I told him that I'm thinking about this like, yeah, that's a good plan. I have seen this happen. I, my sister has X number of houses in Kitangela where she collects. 
in terms of how much he told me, he told me in a month, and took the sister had a hundred houses, and I've seen this work. So this is good debt, got it with debt. But you have to tell me something else. You take debt for the maximum period of four years, you repay it in less than the maximum period. Every so often you go to the bank and tell them, I have X amount, deduct my principal. I have X amount, deduct my principal. And why is that? Because when you take debt, the first few years of the servicing that debt, you actually pay interest. You actually pay for the principal the last two years. So when you keep paying this debt faster, you're actually reducing the amount you owe, and effectively you're, you're playing the bank, effectively, or you're playing the person who's lent you the money. Because they will not earn as much interest as they expect. So come to G12, um, took a debt for the mortgage, as I say, compatible. I can't remember when I took my credit card, but I remember when I actually disposed it, which was last year. I decided that uh, it wasn't really helping my life. Um, so, the mortgage is good. I've taken loans to buy property, but I was also living on subsistence, assistance life based on the credit card, for example. Because I knew at the end of every month I'd actually be able to pay 100%. And I was comfortable paying 100% that and not pay. But the thing I didn't realize is I was consuming things I don't need. So last year when it came to expire, I actually asked myself, do I need this card? My bank actually called me very many times and they just went into me, this card's not coming. And they kept sending me reminders that your card is ready, your card is ready, and I said no. It has uh, not been easy because, as I still mentioned, actually I travel quite a lot. So that basically means every single time you travel, you need to have cash to meet your expenditures. But the good thing is, every single time you travel, you need to be able to your means. There's no spending beyond that. Um, so, just to go back to the whole debt issue, so I've fortunately not been able to sign up for Felizing. Fortunately, because I think it's because my office is still the same. I think Safaricom requires you to go to a Safaricom shop. Because the last time I tried was like go to a Safaricom shop. Um, but I learned something in 2020, I believe so. It was a session which was conducted by father and daughter. And daughter actually happened to be one of our classmates in campus, Brenda. Uh, and uh, the session there, what the only thing I picked up, there's so many things, but the only thing I picked up is in life you need to have a personal balance sheet. You need to list all your assets and all your liabilities. And your assets minus your liabilities is actually your rich value. You need to track this year on year, and you need to see that you your your basically progressing in life. When I did that, I did not like the quantum of debt I was in. And uh, my wife and I made a conscious decision to actually get rid of one of the, the most expensive debt we had at that particular time, which was a bank loan. Uh, by the grace of God, by December last year, we had cleared that bank loan. So the thing about debt is 
That is good, but it is enslaving. You need to find a way of being able to understand the debt you're taking. It cannot be for, for subsistence. And no life cannot be tough, and we need to borrow for us to live our day to day lives. But try as much as possible not to borrow, try as much as possible to live within your means. If you have debt, if you can, please reduce that debt in half the period, at the very least, so that you end up paying less interest. And I think that this conversation that people normally have, mortgages are very expensive. Yes, a mortgage is expensive if you pay it for the full time. But if you're able to clear your mortgage or any loan in a shorter period of time that you know that you've actually taken, then it's going to be a very affordable debt. Something else I learned, uh, I think 2020 or 2021, I think the gentleman who this phone is going to be speaking to us uh, in a couple of weeks' time, is the thing of having focus. So if you start 2022 and say, this year I'm going to clear this debt, that will be the only thing in your mind that every single extra coin you actually get, you'll actually be turned towards that. That's the thing about having focus. But if you do not have focus and you get this money, and the iPhone is releasing iPhone, whatever it is, iPhone X, you will actually want to also, uh, what is it, compensate yourself for the hard work. That is how we normally structure those impulse bikes and purchases. We will share money for you. Yes. But if you're focused and you know this is what I want to do, you will actually move faster. I think just to finish on this debt conversation, we were, this year I, my wife, have a mutual friend, and these guys run a family business. And I've uh, had conversations with this guy for the last at least 10 years, when they've been doing various projects. How they do their things is every single year they have a project. At most every single two years they have a project. And part of that is actually financed through debt. But in their mind, they actually have seen how they've structured it such that they will not have the debt for the full time. In fact, I remember him sharing with me how they bought a property in CBD. They went to a bank which gave them this loan. And in less than two years, they went to the bank and said, You want to pay this loan in full. And the bank was like, No, you can't do this. In fact, they were told, We can't afford this, that's what we are in South Africa. But they had actually structured it such that they would get off debt and move to the next project. That is basically how they operate as a family. Thank God, is, uh, the, the, their, their father actually puts a very, very decent foundation. So for them, it's actually more building on what he actually left behind. Yeah. Now you understand why me and DC call this guy very old. Very old when he speaks. I'm old. <laughs> No, you're not. <laughs> bro, bro, you've invested. Um, and you have quite a few, I don't know there is one or two supermarkets. You've bought a few pieces of land. You, you're employed, so you work. At a, this morning I was telling the guys in Plagin, our guest is coming in from Rwanda. Because last time he was out of the country, he was doing but it happened. And you, you managed to do all of these things, 
with a family and you're not 80 years old. So my brother, please, uh, when did you begin this health journey? When did you begin to save, to invest? I know you've, you've spoken a bit about it. Ulianza, when you're very young, when you're home, you save up the money your mom gave you, and after you're training Biwa, Saeed, you can't find you. Saeed, you're a But you've done well. How did this health journey begin? What was that? Did you have a moment? Did you decide to you? Um, I know you've mentioned a few things, but how, how does all this begin? So, um, I, I can't put a tensor on this, but there are a couple of things I remember. So, 2005, uh, as a birthday gift, my mother gave me 10,000 shillings. At that particular point in time, the conversation at campus was actually about shares. I think after the Kibaki regime, uh, we participated in the National University of Kenya, but the stock exchange was actually very vibrant at a particular point in time. A friend of ours, a friend of ours, uh, was in this investment group in campus. They had actually said an investment group in campus and told me about it. But I was not convinced about uh, the whole group uh, dynamics, and maybe because some of the guys were actually in the senior class. Uh, so when I was given this money, uh, my friend actually walked me to find a investment bank, which used to be at uh, Windsor House, which is opposite University of Nairobi, and I opened my CDSC account, and they bought shares. And as I said, having this interest about shares, um, with your birthday cash, yes, a birthday, yes, yes, <laughs> just just looking for you, just looking for you. Thank you. 
so they can actually delay your money over here. And so I, from time to time, I had to plug in and pay the rent when I was living back at home. So don't you tell the house yourself, what makes sense? Is it getting his mortgage or keeping paying his rent? And the rent and the mortgage are more than the same level, I think. The mortgage was five thousand higher. So that's actually how I ended up buying the house. Now, something I actually missed out about my upbringing, outside our house there was a shop. And I used to hang out once in a while, I think in 96, 97, I'd actually go to the shop and the guy, the shopkeeper was actually very, very uh, graceful, gracious, and would actually allow me to spend time with him. And so I got to experience the whole buying and selling of things in a supermarket, in a, in a, in a pretty shop setting. Um, and yeah, I forgot about it because it was only one of those things for the, for the moment. We moved to South B, my cousin also moved to South B. And now, after church on Sundays, I'm actually going to spend my day at his shop. And I need to understand how things operate at the shop. So, for example, for every meal you actually buy, the retailer makes anything between two shillings and five shillings from that packet of milk. For every single bread you buy, you buy a small one, the retailer makes five shillings. And so it's a volume business. And I can say comfortably, I said, Maybe in one and a half years, two years, every Sundays, at least two Sundays or three Sundays in a month, I'm with him. We go talk, but also I'm helping him and I'm just understanding how he's doing his accounts and everything else. And he was gracious enough to share what he's actually doing there and how much he's actually making. And at first, he actually told me he's making, I think he was making 12,000 and he used to pay the person who's to work there 6,000, so he's going to 6,000. In my mind, I was like, really, this is you don't go. 6,000 for a whole month. In fact, if you break it down, it's actually 200 shillings per day. But now, later on, I asked myself, at least this guy, and in fact, he was actually very, he's, he was very pushy. Not if you met him at all, but yeah, he says met him at all. He's very pushy. They actually tell me, you're better off having this 1,000 shillings saving than having nothing. Because your 1,000 shillings richer. Now for me, at that particular point in my joined uh, work and my father told me to invest in the circle, circle was all my savings. So everything else left to live life. Um, so fast forward, my cousin actually buys a house in uh, Gretchen Apartments in, in the Longo. And follow suit later on and just buy a house in Sukimao. And uh, we get married and in 2013 we moved to. So Kimba, sorry, in Great Wall, we started living together. We hung out quite a bit. And uh, there was a convenience store in the estate. And he was very close with the guys who were running it, my cousin's artist. And now I got to appreciate the mathematics around uh, such an environment. So because of that particular point in time, uh, the, the, the story was that we have, I think it's 548 houses in this, in this estate. So if each house buys a packet of milk, this guy is actually making two shillings per packet of milk and he's making about a thousand shillings per day just for milk. If they buy bread, five shillings. So things are not making sense in terms of how just to build up slowly. And we started having conversations about do we buy a house or do we buy a for commercial space? 
And in fact, my wife and I were actually in the process of getting a, buying a house in 2015, but that didn't go through because the person who was selling the house ended up uh, lying to us about something. We were like, we're not doing this thing anymore. But shortly thereafter, a commercial space actually was available in a nearby estate. And so the three of us, my wife, uh, my cousin, and I decided to put money together and buy the shop. So we placed the deposit even before the shop was over, and uh, we bought the shop. Now, as we were buying that shop, the plan was let's try and replicate this model of a convenience store in this space. This space is going to have a balance, actually, over 300 houses. And uh, yeah, in 2016, I think, we opened the shop and we started running it at a loss. First, you don't even know what you're doing. As much as my cousin has an experience, that's an experience in a different setup. Two, you don't even, you've not automated anything, but you go there and there's some, some joy in just being in that space and serving clients and just seeing what is happening in the like. Now, this unit, we actually, I mean, all of us took debt to actually finance it. We could not finance from our pockets. Uh, I think it was around 3.3 million. Now, in the same estate, a two-bedroom house was going to be five million. Now, we got to later appreciate our investment because if we were to rent that shop, we would have gotten a minimum of 35,000 shillings per month. Have we invested? 3.3 million. The people who have two bedrooms, having invested over five million, are getting 25,000 shillings per month. Now, that's something else clicked in my mind. A commercial space is more valuable than a residential space. In terms of the amount of uh, rental income you can actually be able to get. So we ran that store for, for a while. Uh, come 2013, my auntie had actually been in Mikitu, County Assembly, and there's a set area called Kavonza, which has uh, two universities, Tuskegee, Mikitu branch, has the Southern Eastern University of Kenya, something like that, Seco. And I get an interest in the area, and I'm like, can we try and do some uh, student housing accommodation here? I talk to my auntie, can you help us do this? And she's like, I actually have land which I can actually afford to you and your cousin. Now, that number of times my auntie was actually keen on uh, my cousin and I being close, because she felt that we can actually influence each other's lives positively. Anyway, fast forward a couple of years later, and uh, we were able to transfer the property. I think for me that was more of uh, a blessing than anything else because she sold to us this land at 400. At the point of being stamp duty, the value of saying this land is 1.5 million. So, yeah. Come. Sorry, I don't really have time stamps. Come 2019, I, I'd gone to work as an ambassador alone on a Saturday afternoon. And just checking on Twitter, and then I see something in Savo. Affordable housing. And I'm like, what is this? And I click. And I see what they are about. Then I come to Savo, and I see one of the units in here called 90 degrees. But at that particular point in time, I was more keen on commercial spaces, not residential spaces. So I see what Savo has, but I was like, ah, no, thank you. Now, it so happened that I took now my cousin, Martin, and uh, another friend to see the same unit the following year in January. 
Now I'm the kind of person if you tell me no, I move on. I don't ask. I don't I don't try and forgive, I don't try and I know that no, I don't move on. So I'd already asked this new project, do you have a commercial space and they told you no? Okay, I moved on. So we went to my cousin, the cousin asked again. And I'd already told you, you guys told me to go to my shop. He asked. He was told uh false law. They are there, but you've not decided what needs to happen. And he pushed. He kept pushing. Only for us to discover that we had been told no, but the property server has actually decided that the bottom will actually be shops and they're thinking of selling them. And so at that particular point in time, uh, I think I can okay. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't even speak to my wife. Uh, <laughs> it just went to be like, yeah, I'm getting the shop. So it so happened that out of that one conversation, my cousin and I, my wife and I were able to get a shop, my cousin booked a shop, my other cousin moved, my cousin's sister booked a shop, my cousin's shama booked a shop. So out of six shops, four had actually been taken by my cousin's friends and I, but one of them did not pay up. So fast forward to 2020, 2021 actually, because they are finished in 2020. It happened in November. 2021, and uh, I'm like, so what can we do in this place? Maybe another commercial convenience store, and I have never been afraid of growth as I was then. Because I toyed around and I think I had actually been used to the comfort of doing things with people. And so now it's like to actually think about this thing, set it up from scratch. And I remember telling the designer that hold. You know, I'm paying money, but just hold. I need to think about this thing. And I think in a quiet moment, one of the things that came out is you can rent this property and get into income. But you can set up something and be able to influence lives. Influence lives how? For every convenience store you see, you see there are at least two people employed by it. And so I said, let me try this thing out. If it doesn't work out, that's fine. I have nothing to lose. I'll sell whatever I need to sell out and move on and rent the space. At the end of the day, we own the space. Um, and so that's how we started running this uh, convenience store. It's uh, up the road at uh, Savo Studios. And shockingly enough, it's actually been, it's now the best performing store after the other one in uh, Sokino. Now, around the same time, actually, I. We got to see another piece of land in Sukimau and we plugged in. Now, one of the things I also need to mention about this is they, these have not been cash purchases, they have been debt financed purchases. But we are trying as much as possible to reduce our debt. I think I mentioned to you that last year we finished one of the bank debt, last year. This year, we are trusting God to be able to finish the mortgage, and now we will be working the circle debt. And the circle debt, the key thing is actually to get to a level that we are comfortable in, that our savings and our loans, they are not too far apart. In fact, something I also did not mention earlier in terms of investing, I also took a conscious decision at a point in my life, I can't remember when exactly, to save a significant amount in the circle. 
and that was actually subconsciously, consciously, because I wanted a situation whereby in a couple of years time, I can actually be able to borrow three times of my savings and just a substantial amount and I'm actually able to develop it. But at, when I reached that level, I actually now reduced to normal, just for the sake of reduction of risk. Copy and copy investments, There's something about, um, I know this is not probably somewhere here because I know we are almost out of time to go, but think about it for And guys, please remember like last week, have your questions ready. Amen? Amen. So, is it? Amen. Uh, so in um, probably the last question or so, one of the things that really intrigues me, Sana, me the fact that you've been in one company. One. And you started working in 20? 2006. 2006. Two weeks apart? <coughs> yeah. Two weeks before. You know, in our times today, it is very rare to find a young person. I can say that he's younger than me, man. <laughs> hey, who is in one company for how many years now? Uh, I think it's going to be 16 years in October. 16. You started as a what? Analyst, junior analyst. Junior analyst, and now you are a? Please define there, you know, that's the title that you're talking about. Uh, Every five minutes later, that's the title you uh, Head of multinational businesses. So, something happened in, okay, I know you've asked me to define about the title. Yes. Something happened in 2007, we used to be out for a company called Zamara, we used to be part of the Lavender Forbes group. Alexander Forbes is a South African company that deals mainly with employee benefits uh, and financial services. The Alexander Forbes left Kenya in 2017, um, and uh, we now reported to Zamara. Now, in 2018, I got, I think, assigned extra responsibilities to other workers. And uh, I think that's the first year I went to Malawi for my work engagement. Um, I came back, gave a report, and uh, that was in June. In November, I was actually sent and asked, go and uh, check out this market and see if it's a viable market for us to expand to. So when we left with Zana Forbes uh, in 2017, we opened an entity in Nigeria and we bought an insurance brokerage in uh, Rwanda, which was actually been operated by one of the biggest banks in, in Rwanda. And it was very unclear who was, I mean, this one who you are running in Rwanda, you are running in Malawi, it was very uh, unstructured. So come 2018, we set up, we go for fact source. So fact finding in uh, Malawi, 2019, once again, we go to Malawi. A colleague of mine was actually appointed to be the head of, uh, we know, okay, we don't, we don't have this time, that's why he's calling it uh, multinational businesses. We call it rest of Africa. It's a very South African term. Um, and so, it's basically businesses, it's a business unit that actually looks after the countries outside Kenya. And currently, Zamara is in five African countries outside Kenya, that is Uganda, Tanzania, Rwanda, Nigeria, and Malawi. Yeah. So the point is to begin as an analyst. No, you can hear the chief info. So now you are the rest of Africa group. There is a reason this question. In closing, is um, you know there's this question I, I said we will talk about of 
what we need to do to be financially free in our times today. And one of the things I think you've done very well is manage to grow where you are. Can you talk a little bit about that, how you, you grew right where you are? Because you know sometimes we, we look at where we are and we're like, I need for me to uh, get to the next level, I need to go here. Up at about 50, for me to grow, I need to rock up and go with 4,000 people. But for some reason you did what many desire right where you are. Um, does that help in um, just, I don't know, does it help in financial freedom to grow where you are or, or not? And if it doesn't, what, how can we be financially free now, today, with the inflation, how it, with the inflation where it is, with the difficulty of um, living and all of that? Just speaking to that. Okay. Okay, so I think I will, I will put it in terms of my career. I've been entrusted with extra responsibilities, and I think due to that, I've actually also been uh, promoted over the years. The organization I mean was predominantly an actual organization. So we used to have actual services up until 2004, 2003, when more services were actually uh, incorporated into the business through acquisitions. Uh, so the leadership has actually been actual oriented leadership. Uh, now, due to that, sorry, before I even go to that, I remember a sermon by Dr. Kiama, I think in 2007 or 2008. That particular point in time was actually looking for my next job. And that someone, the long and short of it was that you are where you are because God wants you to be where you are. And your journey is not the same as anyone else's journey. I think at that particular point in time, PC has left Alexander Forbes to Jubilee, to, yeah, to Jubilee. At least. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
always have more, have less years to give to them. And when I look back, when I actually prepared my balance sheet, my savings, pension savings were actually the biggest share of my assets, of our assets actually combined. And that for me has actually also been a blessing in that. The other thing is the fact that as you grow in responsibilities, you'll also be trusted, you'll also be rewarded and compensated more. And so with that, I have actually been able to be subconscious about different things and uh, saving has also been one of it. Um, I think I'm also comfortable, kind of, in terms of uh, not being falling into peer pressure, maybe wanting to leave the Joneses. Uh, we've also been fortunate enough that we are driving the same car that we bought close to 10 years ago. Please say that again, please. Please. We are driving the same car that we bought 10 years ago. Mango, it's a Mango. It's right here. Yes, it's right there. See, see, see the X. So it's also been an uncomfortable space because. The position you talked about, the expectations, people expect you to drive a certain yeah. car, to live a certain life, uh, live in a certain area code. One of the countercultural things that actually also happened to us in 2020 was moving out from Upper Hill to South Beach and getting a more affordable house, not because we lost our jobs, but because we felt we can also reduce this cost. Um, so, there are certain things that have been spoken to my life in my workspace by people who both senior and people who are, I can actually say, uh, junior from a great perspective, but more experienced than me. Uh, and those things around have, have helped me. Uh, I remember one of my messengers, we were having a conversation with this gentleman, and uh, his story is the fact that I grew up playing with against kids. And then my father was killed. And then life happened. And I finished school at 22. And I had to take up the responsibility of the homestead. And um, he basically became the man of the house, taking care of his siblings. And I mean, the death of the family becomes more than what is accompanied by poverty. And we were having this conversation. and. That gentleman spoke a blessing to my life. He actually told me that you will one day own properties in this city. That was, I think, December 2008. Because I think I remember where we are. So for me, it's been more than work, it's been, um, it's been family. But coming back to the whole issue of financial freedom, what is financial freedom? That's a very amorphous term, in my opinion. But we need to strive to ensure that our passive income is equal or more than our active income. Because most of us, especially those of us who are working, we are actually slaves to employers. We are a couple of months away from poverty in the event of losing our jobs. And that actually calls for a conscious, deliberate effort to grow your assets, even as you grow in your career. Uh, I think going back to what my father told me a couple of years ago is 
And you should also feel not to be where we were last year a time like this. Like today, 10th of July, next year, a time like this, we should not be where we are. Whether we are working or not working. Because I believe each of us is actually has access to financial resources. Each of us has talents that you can actually be able to use and be able to move to the next level. Uh, some of the things that we try as much as possible to practice is one, after paying your tithe, the next thing is saving. Put money aside and be consistent. I think I'd like to just point out to the Musama after paying Because let's face it, emergencies are there. But the 
we should not be surprised because at some point in time we will actually need to bring our parents or our siblings from hospital. Some of them will be from, from prison. Are we going to go and sell that one precious thing and be able to just turn all the energies there? That's actually why you find more often than not in families. People, you help a family member, but you don't have any relationship beyond that because you have actually because of this decision you have to take away. Um, now, the other thing I'd also encourage in terms of financial freedom is uh, plug into spaces where people actually talk more on finances, investments. Please don't go for anything that is quick money, please. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking to a colleague of mine, a classmate actually, and they're encouraging me on crypto. And I was telling her, I don't invest in things at the time. And that is something that I picked up after losing money. This year, I've lost money, actually. Seriously, lost money. We invested in goods. We had about 200 goods somewhere.
take the first leap of you and keep making small steps towards your journey of financial freedom. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at Trubani House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.